when we started our podcast creators on air where we interview you know like um creators we got our first sponsor without even having a first episode out there you know like before launch where do you think the creator economy is going so what i see on one hand is there are going to be more and more creators a uh, AI, you know, makes obviously even content creation easier and efficient and more automated. The second thing is I talked to a lot of people who actually have full-time jobs. So they're doing, you know, they, they have their full-time job, they're doing it and they're starting it on the side. They're making, you know, really good money. At some point they're going full into. What are the ranges to which people are paying to sponsor podcasts? Is it similar to that of the newsletter based on what you've seen? You mean like uh, price ranges or? Yeah, price ranges like what they're doing and Jennifer Jennifer how you doing <laughs> good how are you doing good Jen I would love to hear from you so uh, passion fruit amazing right um, for, for people that are listening it allows you to create a storefront to easily get um, how I would describe it to easily get sponsorships for a newsletter or your podcast right um, so a live mm -hmm. link here's my link here's how much my stuff costs go ahead and pay me and we'll schedule something um, mm -hmm. I just signed up, so I'm super excited, but would love to hear, like, obviously this is very creator focused, like give us the backstory of this, Jen. I'd love to hear it and, and kind of like what insights led to what you're doing now. Sure. Um, so maybe to start off, uh, so I was working before Passion Fruit actually in venture capital as an investor. So investing in, yeah. you know, startups. Loved it. Um, and uh, in 2020, obviously a lot of things happened, right? The pandemic, um, Asian hate crimes, like next matter. I mean, the world was um, crazy. And I think for me, and, you know, I would be curious to hear your story on how you started to, or why you started to create content. But for me, it was really about making sense of the world and what was kind of like going on. And mm -hmm. I found it in actually creating content. So I started to um, write. Uh, writing always helps me, you know, to provide clarity. So I started this newsletter on Substack, uh, just more as a passion project, but uh, loved um, that it just gave me a way to creatively express myself. You know, like you do, I have my, you know, like day job as an investor, but then just doing my own thing on the side, on the evenings and, and on the weekends and and I just loved it um, so much that I thought about doing it full time, leaving my job and just going full full time into building up a creative business, whatever that meant, yeah. Uh, yeah. which means, you know, um, <laughs> writing and just learning and putting thoughts out there. Um, and uh, yeah, and just talk with a bunch of creators so people who are, you know, like have uh, create content on LinkedIn, have a podcast, like you have a newsletter, mm -hmm. YouTube channel. There was suddenly this new wave, I feel like, of knowledge content entrepreneurs who are building up, you know, like the new generation of media brands. And um, I talked with them and I found it so interesting how we're just redefining of what it means to, you know, actually work on your own terms. Um, what it means to build a company, which doesn't have to be, you know, a VC backed startup and code and, you know, like AI, but actually, um, putting your personal brand out there and, and building, you know, something out uh, around it. And what I saw there was just this huge white space, uh, of how, you know, like the, the tech stack 
of the future actually should look like for those small teams or those solopreneurs, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's in the end kind of like why we started Passion Fruit. Passion Fruit is really about how do we empower, you know, um, creators really shifting shifting their thinking around, I'm actually a CEO of a you know, mini media company and I want to monetize it and I want to monetize it in a sustainable way. Uh, I want to scale my own, you know, like operations and scale my own brand. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Passion Fruit helps you basically to to streamline uh, a lot of your work to monetize, but ultimately um, it aims at to really become the operating system for for you as a um, as a you know like a modern uh, content entrepreneur in, in, in that regard. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of like the backstory of uh, of how we actually nice. you know founded Passion Food. Yeah. And you, you have, I'm looking at your site, you have like some of the biggest creators. You have like super, you know, the superhuman mm-hmm. folks, uh, yeah. Islo, you've got Ali, you got my friend Alex, my friend Dan Go here. You've got Arvid. You got like some of the biggest creators using Passion Fruit, which is like freaking awesome. So how, like, I want to talk through, like, how did you get through the cold start problem, Jen, in, in terms of getting traction? Like, what, what, walk us through that. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, what, what they say is, is also how it works, like do the things that don't scale. Um, so, I mean, in the beginning, it was mainly, um, we've done a tons of user research, right? Before even writing the first line of code, it was really just about understanding deeply the problems um, of creators. So in the beginning, it was really more about understanding, you know, like their pains, their issues, etc. yada, yada. And at some point, we had this first group, though, of creators, right, which we, you know, are, were in contact with, started to show design, started to show our prototype. Um, so from there, um, it was, the, you know, it is a lot of, like, direct outreach for reaching out to, like, identifying the right type of creators that could actually fit, you know, like, to, um, to, 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 to passion fruit and what we offer and understand kind of the value proposition. I think that's kind of important. So a lot of them, you know, were on Twitter, LinkedIn, um, but I would say actually Twitter is kind of like our biggest um, channel. So we reached out to them um, and then suddenly the growth loop started, right? So suddenly creators obviously shared, you know, like, um, hey, I'm using this awesome tool called Passion Fruit, you should also use it. So I think that's the powerful thing though, once you have, um, um, you know, like the first set of creators, that if you build a good product and you do a lot of things that don't scale in the beginning, that the growth loop at some point does start though, because obviously creators have, you know, like their own audiences as well. Um, so again, like direct outreach, doing a lot of things that don't scale in, in that regard, um, having a first set of like early believers that then also spread the word um, for you. And then for passion foods, it is a lot about um, in, in, in that regard, product that growth as well. So you see um, how Superhuman is using passion fruit. Um, they're sharing it, you know, on their newsletter. So that's in the end also how a lot of our users actually then sign up because they hear about or they see, you know, people like Superhuman uh, linking it then in their newsletter. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Which is awesome because as, as they share their link in their newsletter people you get people's eyeballs on passion fruit and yeah. use that as kind of a growth channel which is awesome 
um, yeah. to make your own thing. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and with you, like what I'd love to hear from you, Jen, is like, where do you think the creator economy is going? Right. And, and why I asked that is because um, becoming a creator is like freaking hard, like like building a like a, a business to live off of as a creator, right, as a full time creator. I mean, I've been doing it for a few years. Right. And it's like very difficult. Like you have to be like on point. You have to be there every day. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of iteration. It takes a lot of experimentation. And um, like I think there's two sides that people have. Right. Which is like one, the creator economy is going to be this huge, massive thing. Right. And like creators are going to be, you know, the, the, the main, you know, be able to create their own businesses and, and it's going to be a huge thing. And then there's another side of it, which is like uh, people think it's way too hard for, for most individuals. If they want to say, Hey, I want to be a creator. It's easier just to get a job. Right. So, um, you know, are, are I'm, you're, most likely bullish on it because you probably wouldn't have built something there, <laughs> there. but tell us a little bit of, of where you think it's headed. Cause that's what I'm curious of, right? Like it, where you think this is going to head in the next one to five years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think what is, um, I'm talking every day to creators, right? And the stories yeah. I hear are so diverse and the people I talk to are at different, you know, stages in their, in their kind of creator life cycle. So what I see on one hand is there are going to be more and more creators. Um, a, uh, AI, you know, makes obviously even content creation easier and efficient mm -hmm. and more automated. Um, so we do see already that a lot of uh, people are actually leveraging that. Um, so that's one trend uh, I, I see. The second thing is I talked to a lot of people who actually have full-time jobs. So they're doing, you know, they still have their full-time job. They're doing it and they're starting it on the side. They're making, you know, really good money. At some point they're going full into. So they're, you know, balancing basically that risk out. Sure, it is hard, but um, at basically they're, they, they, they have still kind of the safety net, right? Through um, of their, their corporate or their full-time job. And then at some point they're doing it full time with the money they have, they're starting actually to hire someone in um, to, you know, um, do some of the partnership stuff. They have an assistant, they have a sales manager. They're building like, you know, many teams around them, which helps to make just the whole journey easier. That's kind of what you mentioned. I think you need to have at some point kind of like either, you know, through AI or like through human resources kind of mm -hmm. um, things that are being, you know, like taken care of. Um, that's a, that's a second trend or that's the second thing I'm seeing. And I still do believe that a lot of creators can build, you know, like businesses. Um, that's what we've been seeing even in the past month. Um, a lot of creators start with passion fruit. Um, and then at some point say, I'm actually now, you know, making five, six digits, um, per week, per month. Um, I'm quitting my full-time job and I'm doing it now full-time and I'm, you know, having, I, I'm having a business now. Um, so that's definitely something we are, we're seeing more and more of. Um, it's just, I completely understand that it's a very hard journey as well. But again, I think that's why it's important to have kind of like the right people or even the right tools around you so that it becomes still, you know, easier, at least like partially. Um, 
One mm. concrete example is a lot of creators do make money with brand partnerships and um, sponsorships. And even the biggest creators we talk to get so much inbound, but the market is still so inefficient and so broken on both sides, like brands and creators have such a hard mm -hmm. time, you know, finding each other that if you can create value around that inefficiency, that it kind of lifts the entire, you know, economy up in that regard because the market just becomes more efficient. Um, so I think that's kind of what is, you know, happening, starting to happening. A lot of things are being invested into the space. So again, I'm, I'm still bullish on it, but I do um, acknowledge and understand definitely also the difficulties around the whole creator mm -hmm. journey. And I think that's kind of um, the part Warrior of every, over. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, making it easier. I will say, yeah, because um, it's interesting, right? Giving creators the tools that they need basically to be successful, right? And I will tell you from my perspective, you mentioned something interesting, which was the market and, and how inefficient it was today and like getting these creator sponsorships or like brands and creators working together. I will tell you, it is like, I don't know if you're creating a marketplace, you might already have one for like brands that are looking for the perfect creators. Uh, I don't know if you've how much you've streamlined it yet, but that is, that is something interesting there, right? That marketplace. And I know that there's a lot of people trying to do it, uh, but really like finding the right brands is hard because me as a creator, I have a newsletter, right? Which is what? 26 K 27 K. Uh, I have 170 K on LinkedIn, right? Uh, I have 10 K on Instagram, which isn't huge, but like, so my biggest channel is LinkedIn. Now, um, it, getting to the people that want to spend money and see the, see the power of using in quote unquote influencer, right? is actually very hard. Like I even have someone like a, a person that's kind of helped me on commission only commission based only going out and helping find deals. Right. And I thought it was going to be easy, but like, it's really not. Um, and it, you kind of have to have two things. It's like companies that believe in influencer marketing and the companies that have the budget to be doing it right now with additional creators. Right. Um, so it, it is pretty difficult. Now, once we find someone that has those two, it's a no brainer for them. Right. We figure out something and doing it, but like, getting discovered is sometimes like the hard part, right? Which is funny because you would think it'd be easy when you have a big following, but no, like there's just so much other noise out there, which is, which is so interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm excited personally to use passion fruit because I want, I'm, I want to like make it easy one. And then two, see if there's a, I would love to have a network of people that are like, Oh, we want to do something on LinkedIn. Here you go. Here's the perfect creator for that. Right. Um, which would yeah. just be amazing. Super yeah. amazing. Yeah, so that's, I mean, um, so we started kind of with a creator tooling, right? Like single player mode, which mm -hmm, helps you yeah. and equips you as a creator to just um, uh, streamline from the first kind of like request, almost like a Shopify store, right? Like with your storefront mm -hmm. to like payments to everything in one place. Um, and that was great. Um, that also helped us to build out, you know, the first user base. Then what we definitely heard as well, what you also mentioned is, hey guys, um, actually it's also really time consuming and hard for me to actually get those folders in the first place. And that's mm -hmm. obviously where our, you know, like scaling or network effect come in as a platform because, um, the good thing about, um, creator marketing obviously is that 
they're rarely just sponsoring or partnering with one creator. They're usually doing a, you know, like a campaign with several creators. So there is repeatability in this business and there is like, um, there is like the need for a network actually effects. And I think that's where we kind of like can do the outs. I mean, that's where we, where you can outsource that part or that job of doing mm-hmm. actually the outreach for you, finding relevant um, brands or companies to work with. Um, that's basically then what we're tackling next. And I think what is so super interesting is that this whole space we're in is, you know, in its infancies, which means um, B2C, there was a lot of, you know, like the classical D2C influencer marketing on Instagram. Um, the whole B2B space, companies that, you know, are software companies, productivity tools, um, finance, education companies, they're just actually getting started um, now. So I think that's kind of also where um, where we're in and why it's so interesting because it is a it, it is a new market definitely um, and that's though where we already see like um, yeah again huge inefficiencies but great also a new category to to shape yeah 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 the B two B is interesting right like um, I was talking to Jay Klaus a couple of days mm. ago we'll have a pod out with yeah. him as well and in uh i asked jay i was like hey what do you think about like this the b2b creator economy uh and then we got we kind of got into some semantics and stuff of like what's really the difference like Mm -hmm. a creator is a creator right um but like when i look at this b2b creator space what i look at it as is is less like beauty companies wanting to sponsor people to sell their you know their uh, chapstick or something yeah and more, like you said, software companies realizing that like, holy crap, like cold email, this predictable revenue model doesn't work. We need to use people that get attention because yeah. any, any, any sales channel that you're doing is you're trying to get people's attention. And like, what is the best way to do that today is people that already have it, right? Like yeah. it's kind of like yeah. when you break it down. And I think they are starting to realize that. Um, and personally, I work with a couple companies, right? Well, first off, my own distribute, like my own SaaS, mm-hmm. right? Like, I like to think we have a leg up because I already have an audience in, in distribution. Mm-hmm. Which, um, it's kind of like a hack, right, per se, uh, which is awesome. Um, but other companies that are not like creator-led, or I shouldn't say creator-led, but like uh, creator-founded, right? Uh, like you're creator-founded as well, building a company for creators, very similar. Um, they are starting to see the light. It is very early though, right? Like, um, I think you can tell by the way they're like, oh, well that's, if we do a post with you and and it gets 50,000 impressions, that would cost this much on Facebook. And they try and compare it to like Facebook impressions or something like that. Um, they're like, that would only cost us this much. And you're like, yes. However, that's just a random ad from your company on Facebook. There's no... You're not tying it to an individual and you're not targeting yeah. yeah you're not targeting right like it's sure facebook's good at knowing but you're not attaching it to a, a known person's identity right yeah um so that's yeah i mean what's that that's where the higher cost is right yeah. and so i think in my conversations these companies are still trying to like associate with something they know and they're and then you know um it's up to the creator to have that conversation with them and say like yes but it's not like apples and apples, right? It's, it's kind of apples mm-hmm. and oranges of what that looks like. So they, from my experience, they're very early, like they're still trying to figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I am a big believer in that, like what they're going to start doing is, is basically, and I'll tell you what I'm doing with my company, right? Distribute is like, I'm finding my favorite creators and then I'm essentially getting them to do sponsored post. Like I'm going to use them as my sales team <laughs> right? Yeah. with yeah. content, right? Like, yeah. That's going to be the way I think about scaling sales is how do I get creators pushing our stuff, paying them sponsored posts, right? And then yet yeah, giving them a bump with affiliate links as well and building up that affiliate network. Um, and those affiliates I'm going to recruit um, who are content creators, right? And this is going to be something interesting for you, Jen, which is, uh, and I'm telling everyone I'm going to build this company, but we're going to do basically double down on affiliates, right? These affiliates are going to be content creators. We're probably going to give them a, a pay them like a, an amount and then also give them an affiliate link where they'd get a commission on everything. Right. And the, I think the big mistake that I've made in the past in building these out is people have, um, thought about an affiliates like, Oh, I'm going to put a link on my website and hope that people sign up when really, I think what a big thing is coming is affiliate and creator affiliate enablement. So mm -hmm. what you do is like, honestly, someone, and there's probably already someone that does this, but in these B2B companies, they basically one, recruit affiliates, and then two, help set them up for success like their employees, right? Give them the resources they need, tell them about what's coming, help them become successful in building out their content, right? Um, and so they still have their kind of own thing. They're maybe working for other companies, these, these, these creators, right? Um, but they're working for multiple and creating content around multiple things. So that's kind of where I see it going. And that's where that's what I'm doubling down on. Right. It's like, how do you do yeah. that? Um, because if content's the way to create demand, find the people that create content, but I don't know how, how are you thinking about this in terms of what B2B companies are doing, what they're doing, right. What they're doing wrong. Like I would love to hear. Yeah. Your yeah, yeah. yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think what's really cool is that we have, uh, hundreds of B2B companies actually even joined um, our passion food partner network. So we do see on a day-to-day -day level, um, you know, what type of companies are basically uh, interested in and getting it and how they work, what they need, what is, you know, like their pain. Um, so we're sitting on, uh, on the tons of insight there. I think the focus previously was really around how do we build a tool or product that is really for creators because we still believe that that's the right way um, to build the product because otherwise a lot of products or platforms or even marketplaces out there were really built in mind for enterprises. Um, so you, yeah. you, you know, just create a bunch of like LinkedIn profiles. Uh, I mean, companies can just pay a ZAS fee for that and then just find creators that might fit or influencers and that's kind of it. Um, so what we see right now, I mean, again, like I think, um, a lot of like startups or scale-ups that are starting, um, to, to tap their tools into the space, um, I think are just, you know, like getting started with it. There is still a lot of education to be done between how many clicks can you actually give me, right? What's the real return on investment here? Is it a brand awareness campaign or is that... Uh, a campaign that really brings me, you know, what's the cost per click. So there are different, I think there's still education, you know, to be done that newsletter sponsorships are not necessarily um, the, the type of marketing where you, you know, like calculated and based on signups or clicks, because that's not where you, where the user at the end 
makes the buying decision right away. Um, it takes also time to warm up. So it is more like a brand awareness um, type of like a, a campaign. I think that's kind of what we see. So do marketers understand how actually creative marketing works? Um, do they, are they willing to invest budget in, you know, into brand awareness campaigns or are they really looking only for like metrics, metrics, metrics? Um, and at some point it doesn't even matter for them anymore with whom they partner up and, you know, unless basically those creators just bring them customers in, um, yeah. that's two very different, right? Like two very different approaches between ad network and bespoke ads. Like how much do you care as a brand, uh, with whom you work, I guess that's what we also see as, um, you know, different preferences, but I think both can exist and you can even do both. You can do two or three creative partnerships, which are more bespoke, which are more about, um, having the right thought leader talking about your product, you know, um, and then you have like, um, an ad network campaign where you don't really care, um, who you actually work with. And it's more about metrics and if they basically, um, get enough like signups or, or, or clicks for you. I think that's kind of also where we're, where we're seeing it heading, um, combining basically those two different approaches. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then on the affiliate uh, marketing, yeah, it's definitely something we also hear very often. I mean, Hashiro doesn't tackle that at all. Like we really, you know, uh, are, are trying to make it easy for creators to have bespoke, uh, sponsorships, but affiliate marketing is definitely something I think is very, very, interesting and also just in its infancy um so a lot of actually um marketers do want i mean it's more though wanted by marketers i feel less by creators yeah they still prefer flat fees that's that's yeah. the problem i think yeah 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 i agree with you like i don't do i've never done affiliate only deals right like it's just like yeah no, i'm still taking the time to do this like you know yeah um, it, it's kind of like the way someone that i talked to i was like well do you get paid only if you hit your your sales goals you know like mm -hmm. uh, like mm -hmm. right yeah. like no yeah. you still get a flat fee right like you're still getting paid yeah. and then you have your bonuses that's the same way right mm -hmm. so i think a lot of companies make that mistake um uh, and they're trying to do this affiliate only creator thing and yeah. they're gonna figure out that's not the way to do it <laughs> like i took yeah. anyone yeah, that ever asks exactly. like reaches out i'm like nope i'm like it could be 50 percent or whatever but uh which is great but i'm like sure I'll, the 50 percent sounds great but i would still love a flat fee like do both yeah you know because yeah like, exactly um i can't control you know, the messaging that you want me to use and all that. And like, it, it's not going to be exactly what my brand is about. And like, you can get it close, but it's not like it's people can tell it's, I can't control if they're going to buy your stuff or not. And it, there's so many factors yeah. I don't have, to, I don't have control over like the landing page to, to where you ask people to sign up. I, I don't have control over how good that is. Right. And if it converts or not, yeah. um, yeah. to get that affiliate actual fee, right. Like it's just stuff that I can't get. So I think, this comes back to it's in its infancy. So people are starting to figure it out. Um, but let yeah. me ask you, who, who do you think is doing this kind of creator influencer marketing super well right now? I'm sure you see a lot of people booking creators on, on passion fruit. Right. And so yeah. who, who yeah. do you think are like the top two or three companies that, that other people should model? Um, I mean, 
I think um, Notion obviously is uh, actually doing really well on that. So they're you know investing a lot into specifically like um, for example creators on YouTube, you know, who are uh, producing like content on studying productivity lifestyle. Um, so I think they actually um, work with a lot of creators. Then we also have uh, actually a lot of AI companies uh, from like the past um, month. They all went into creator marketing straight away. That was one of their main actually channels, which was super, super interesting um, because there are also so many people who are, you know, writing about AI, um, creating posts about AI, creating Twitter threads about AI. So um, I think View AI um, had a couple of campaigns on YouTube, um, but also on Twitter and newsletters, they actually went, um, yeah, full into, into creative marketing. So I think they're also a good example. Um, and then who else? Um, Superhuman actually also did, um, softers. So actually a bunch of like, um, yeah, um, startups in the, again, uh, software productivity, mm -hmm. um, space are, are doing it. Yeah pretty pretty well and experiments yeah. also with different uh with different platforms and with different type of creators yeah yeah i love notion that's who i was thinking too because notion yeah they kind of broke all the rules right like they like from a b2b sat well they're kind of be they're, they're mostly actually bsc i would say but but yeah they, they're a software company right and they went to i think tiktok was like their main channel for mm -hmm. growth right and like mm -hmm. They went there and they owned it and i was like wow this is like amazing <laughs> you know like, yeah, yeah. They, they had everyone creating stuff about notion obviously ease lows on your on your on your yeah. uh, using passion fruit but yeah i mean yeah. they had people like ease low i wonder how much they pay him i'd be interested to see that uh to do it or if he, i think he might do a lot of it for free because he's just a notion geek, yeah right? but um, exactly yeah yeah that's his yeah. thing but uh yeah they broke the rules and they're like oh let's go to TikTok." when most people were like oh no TikTok is for dancing or whatever the heck most people thought about it as right and that was like notions a major growth channel over the past few years which is just crazy to me yeah um so i'm i was pumped about that i'm excited to see what other kind of creator influencer channels other people use um i'm gonna mine is linkedin right so i'm gonna try and create mm -hmm. like this whole linkedin kind of um you know what do you think i mean how, how, what are your thoughts around, you know, like LinkedIn B2B creators or creators on LinkedIn and, and general yeah. plat, uh, LinkedIn as a platform yeah, um, for creators? It, so for creators specifically, um, LinkedIn is interesting, right? Interesting because if you look at the algorithm on LinkedIn, they've had the same algorithm type for a while where it was like a for you feed and that was the main feed, right? Like for you, whereas everyone is now sh shifting towards the for you feed, right? Like Twitter, like everyone's like, I mean, TikTok is for you mostly, like it's not mostly your followers, right? Um, Twitter shifting more to for you. So you, they've kind of have, I think they're behind in some ways, but they've also been ahead of the game in some ways. Um, and obviously I love LinkedIn. I've helped like thousands of creators get started on LinkedIn through, through my program, Brand30. But, um, you know, so I'm obviously very bullish on LinkedIn. 
I will say though, they move very slow in terms of updates and stuff um, when it comes to content. Like there's only a for you feed. There's still not a following feed. I love that. Right. Um, the way they surface content that you like is, is not as good as I, was, I would expect, but overall I'm very bullish on LinkedIn. And I'll tell you the one simple reason why, because there's people have skin in the game. You can tell exactly who someone is. It's not a bunch of like cartoon character accounts. Right. And yeah. Twitter's great. Like, so you, you can see if people, uh, you can see their credibility and their expertise, like, and you can get a sense of that pretty quickly to be like, oh, is this actually someone that um, is worth following or should that, that I should get insights from and all that. So I think that's one reason. The second reason is still like, I think there's 900 and last time I checked, like 950 million LinkedIn users. Right. And not that many, I think less than 1% of those people create content. So what does that mean? The organic reach is amazing on LinkedIn, right? And when people are on LinkedIn, they're, they're in their kind of work mode too. So for B2B creators specifically, it's amazing, right? Because yeah. I mean, they're in work, if, you know, if they're ready to buy something for software companies, right? Like they're kind of in that mode of, and they're on it all day because there's so much data on LinkedIn, where people work, who knows who, mutual connections, all that stuff means it's very sticky. So um, that's what makes I'm bullish for B2B specifically. It's going to be the main, I still think it's it's the main channel. I mean, I've built seven figure businesses on LinkedIn. I have friends that have built seven, eight figure businesses on LinkedIn, right? And so, um, you know, I, I'm very, very bullish on LinkedIn for that reason. Now, that's for a certain type of content though. B2B, very specific content, looking yeah. at different tooling, stuff like that. However, the half-life of LinkedIn is very small, right? Like if I make a post, that post is dead in four days, right? Three days. If it goes viral in, in you know, a week, it's it, you'll never see it again. People won't ever see it again, most likely. Um, whereas like YouTube, I think YouTube is amazing. And I'm putting more efforts into YouTube now versus Twitter or anything else because I like video. Um, I think, mm. you know, I, I, I see the future of video. In YouTube, the half-life is way longer, right? So you can make a video and it could continue to grow, 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 right? And if you think about YouTube, it's the second largest search engine in the world, right? Like, I don't know about you, but the first thing I search when I need to learn how to do something is YouTube. I don't even go to yeah, Google anymore. For sure. Yeah, you know, so like, I wanna see the video version of how it's done. Um, and so, that's where I'm also bullish on YouTube because you could do long form. They have shorts as well. Right. And so in the half-life is, is pretty long on YouTube, which is what I like, right? If it's useful information. So yeah, overall LinkedIn, I'm very bullish on it. I think it's going to, I think they'll continue yeah. to make it better. Um, Same. It'll, it'll, it'll take time. Yeah. It'll take, t they'll learn from everyone else's mistakes. I think on, on optimizing and yeah. trying to build a perfect thing. And, um, <laughs> they definitely yeah. live by the like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. <laughs> you know, like mentality sure. LinkedIn. Uh, and yeah. a lot of it's funny because a lot of people used to hate on LinkedIn on Twitter. You've probably seen that, right? They're like, yeah. LinkedIn is garbage. Yeah. The content, the cringe post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the cringe. And sure, there's people that do those, but um, I look at Twitter as like a great place to like make new friends and like see what people are about, and then LinkedIn is a way to like monetize it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. I think, uh, I mean, uh, there's definitely a high density of, uh, you know, like buyers and decision makers 
Um, So what you also mentioned around people actually, you know, working or being in working mode and also you see where they work, what type of work they do. There's definitely a high density of uh, of decision makers there. So I think, for example, what um, Zayn Khan did, um, you know, he started to, I think when he onboarded onto Passion Fruit, he had like 10,000 subscribers um, and, you know, wasn't sure if he should do sponsorship or not. Um, he grew massively, obviously, on Twitter, but actually very, very smartly also um, on LinkedIn and, and tried to, you know, like leverage that. I think he's at 700,000 followers on LinkedIn now. It is getting tons of basically um, leads, sponsorship leads also from LinkedIn, doesn't monetize through LinkedIn, but gets actually the leads from there, right? Builds the brand up there and then monetizes with the newsletter. So I think that's kind of a very smart, um, yeah, strategy as as well. Um, So diversifying and and actually not staying only on on Twitter, but actually going to LinkedIn. That was a very interesting move. Yeah. Yeah. Question for you, Jan, is what are other creative ways you see people monetizing besides like the standard newsletter or, you know, like sponsored posts? Is there, is there anything interesting that you've seen? Because that's where everyone goes to, right? Is newsletter and sponsored posts. And both of those, there's a high barrier to entry, right? Because like to get any value, like you need to have a lot of subscribers, great open rate, great click through rate, right? sponsored posts, you need a lot of followers, right? Or a lot of uh, like leverage in that sense. So if I'm a new creator, right? And I want to like monetize in some way, maybe I have like 10K follower, 20K, whatever. Like, what do you see in people doing that's interesting? That's not your your typical newsletter or, or you know, sponsored posts? Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I think um, at 10,000, honestly, we oftentimes it's really about the niche, right? The niche um, mm-hmm. you're in. Um, sometimes converting three people uh, for a high value, you know, software product is already much more valuable. Um, so in, in that sense, actually, what we've seen is tons of creators who have much lower audience sizes, uh, but are in a very, you know, attractive, high value niche, um, are making actually more money than like the large creators. So that maybe on that's maybe on 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 side. Um, different ways to monetize what we see is um, a um, even if you you know have a podcast um, so once when we started our podcast creators on air where we interview you know like um, creators um, we got our first sponsor in without even having a first um, episode out there you know like before launch because wow. it is also a way for them right to um, associate themselves with a brand. Um, so we were very clear on this is our speaker lineup. This is going to be our season. These are going to be topics. Um, and then we got inbound um, from Riverside, actually. So the tool we're using right now, um, uh, the actually a you know request to to sponsor our podcast um, without even having launched it officially. So I think that was a, is an interesting way. You can definitely get started even before, specifically for things that are more, you know, like you, you create a brand around, you have like the right speakers in or the right guests in. Um, a second one is community. A lot of creators we see are actually also monetizing um, and um, upselling, cross-selling um, with their community. So many have maybe, you know, like a certain community, a Slack community, 
they basically offer not only sponsorships in the newsletter, but they're creating this whole package. You know, like I'm doing five sponsored um, posts on LinkedIn plus newsletter plus uh, my Slack community of 400 people, you know, which is not much, but um, creating a whole really like package around it and offering. That is basically another interesting um, thing we saw uh, how creators can actually get started right away, even though they have maybe small audience sizes. Like that would be interesting. There's there's a way right there. And for that, uh, Jen, what, do you, what are you seeing the, the ranges? And again, I'm a noob on podcast sponsoring. So if someone wants to start it, what are the ranges to which people are paying to sponsor podcasts? Is it, is it similar to that of the newsletter based on what you've seen? You mean like the price ranges or? Yeah, price ranges, like what they're doing. And honestly, it really depends on the niche and uh, and uh, the type the size, of you know, like right. content you're you're putting out. Yeah, the size you're putting out there. So can be anything from like, um, you know, 200, 300 per episode or per like newsletter issue up to like um, thousand ish, but really depends on, again, the size, size the niche, yeah. um, the audience, you know, like readers profile, etc. Yeah. 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 Similar to like newsletter. It's kind of like that. That's the market of like, yeah. Hey, size, all that stuff. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That was a beginner question just cause obviously I'm doing it. Um, so I wanted to know, but Jin, Hey, this has been awesome. Um, and I, we really dove into the creator economy here and kind of like yeah. where things go, are going, how people can monetize, um, different strategies people are doing, right? Um, one last question before we head out, I have for you. What do you think is the most underrated channel right now for beginner creators to get started? Um, it's a good one. I mean, <laughs> so I, I need to obviously also promote our own. Uh, so we have a Creators um, on Air podcast, uh, which is amazing uh, because it is a YouTube channel plus also podcast that actually interviews um, creators who share their journey and their experiences from monetization growth across different platforms. So. That one is definitely um, uh, underrated, but highly appreciated by many creators. Um, cool. So, so that one. Then, obviously, I mean, you mentioned already. Um, I think Jay is doing a terrific job. I think he um, uh, ramped up or stepped up a lot of his uh, YouTube uh, and and uh, game on creator science. So, I think that one is definitely great, also to to learn from. And then there's a newsletter, uh, which is called Growth in Reverse. Uh, I think that one is also really great um, for basically their deep dives around how creators grew actually uh, to a certain size. Um, and they're really like breaking it down. And uh, I think the writer spends 20 hours researching basically that uh, and, and, and sharing uh, wow. super insightful content. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, you heard it falls. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Jen. Um, it's been amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah.